Ray Gun. I'm Paul Champanelli. I am Kirk Pinchon. This is the podcast where we pick a music-related topic, then we watch video clips about that topic. And if you go to our website, musicraygun.com, you can check out our video playlist to watch all the clips we talk about on the show. Right, Kirk? Mm-hmm. Today on the show, Kirk, Niall Rogers. Yes! Niall Rogers is a big deal. Big deal, and yet still I feel he's underrated. Yeah, I, I don't know if people generally know who Niall Rogers is. Yes. Um, so I'm going to read as a quick overview of his career the beginning of the Wikipedia article. Because Wikipedia does not lie. Just to try to explain Niall Rogers as a refresher for ourselves. Yes. And uh, an explanation for anyone listening who might not know who he is. Niall Gregory Rogers Jr., born September 19th, 1952, is an American record producer, songwriter, musician, composer, arranger, and guitarist. The co-founder of Chic, he has written, produced, and or performed on records that have cumulatively sold more than 500 million albums and 75 million singles worldwide. He is a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee, a three-time Grammy Award winner, and the chairman of the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Born as the Big Apple Band in 1970 with bassist Bernard Edwards, Chic released their self-titled debut album in 1977. It included the hit singles Dance, 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 and Everybody Dance. (laughs) That's two singles, not (laughs) one song with a long-ass title. The 1978 album, Say Chic, produced the hits I Want Your Love and Le Freak, with the latter selling more than 7 million singles worldwide. The song Good Times from the 1979 album Risqué was a number one single on the pop and soul charts. With Edwards, Rogers wrote and produced music for other artists, including the songs He's the Greatest Dancer and We Are Family by Sister Sledge and I'm Coming Out for Diana Ross. After Sheik's 1983 breakup, Rogers produced a string of the post-disco era's biggest albums and singles, including David Bowie's Let's Dance, Original Sin by NXS, Duran Duran's The Reflex and Notorious, and Madonna's Like a Virgin. He later worked with artists including the B-52s, Jeff Beck, Mick Jagger, the Vaughn Brothers, Brian Ferry, Christina Aguilera, Lady Gaga, and Daft Punk, winning three Grammy Awards in 2014 for his work on their album, Random Access Memories. Yes. So he's been around forever. Ever. And he's never stopped producing hits. He's still going chomp. Yeah. I would also add to this, because I, uh, what little research I did Mm -hmm. uh, for, and uh, he is, I'm not going to say he invented it, but he is the master and the one that brought uh, to popularity the uh, guitar art form called chucking. Yeah, it's like a rhythm guitar yeah. sound. Yeah, you hear, and once you hear it, you go, "Oh, that's Nile Rodgers on that." Yeah, you, it's so distinct, and you hear it everywhere. And obviously, he, other people have been doing it, I'm sure. Yeah, but he's the one that kind of is like, "This is my thing. I've not perfected it." It's that disco rhythm guitar sound yeah. that everybody knows. Yes, yeah, and I love it. That, and everyone else, once he mastered it, they're like, "Oh, we'll just put that in the song and yeah, make it make it peppy." That's my favorite thing. Like when I say I don't like electric guitar what i really mean is like guitar solos and lead yes. guitar runs yeah. and shredding but i love a good rhythm guitar oh, rhythm guitar is the best yeah i agree with you that's how i feel about rhythm guitar yeah a hundred percent i love now rogers and he i mean he's almost as big a deal as like quincy jones oh yeah and the only reason i say almost is because like no one's as big a deal as no. Quincy Jones. and the thing that we're going to discover as we watch these videos tonight because uh, a lot of them are going to be interviews with him and stuff mm-hmm. Is 
Quincy Jones is not a modest guy. I wouldn't call him arrogant. He's like the Muhammad Ali of music. Like, he just yeah. comes out and he's like, I am the greatest. Yes, and he proves it. No one else is greater than me. Yeah. And everybody's just like, yeah, you're Quincy Jones. Yeah, yeah that's fine. You are the greatest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's not even arrogance because it's just a fact. Mm-hmm. But Nile Rodgers just, like, comes across as, like, really sort of down to earth. And yeah. Not, like, he talks frankly about, like, all the shit he's done, but never makes it seem like, look at what a big deal I am. Yeah. He just comes off as a guy who loves music. Yes. Yes. And I think uh, um, Quincy had bigger aspirations. Yeah. You know, with movie and TV and all this other stuff. And he also, you know, he stopped performing and playing a long time ago. Yeah. He's more of a composer in different genres with jazz and Nile Rodgers is a pop Yes, and where Niles still plays. Yeah, Niles will still like. I I think he just loves to play as Mm -hmm. well. So he's always like because you'll see him on like you know like okay on Today Show it's almost Thanksgiving we're gonna play Chic and he comes out and plays and he's just psyched. He's like yeah I'll play my hit I don't fucking care yeah and I love that he's just he's a music nerd yeah he's a music nerd exactly and the other thing is like the 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 thing that I always think of when I think of Nile Rodgers is when I was watching. VH1 and MTV and stuff in the late 90s and early 2000s. Anytime they'd have like some top 50 list special yes. or any music documentary, he was one of those guys who was always included as a talking head because yep. he was like the quest love of his generation. I was just about to say that. Exactly. He was the quest love before quest love. Yeah, he just knows everything. He's yeah. just a walking encyclopedia of pop music. So yeah. He's great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just I was like I don't know how we introduced him. So I'm like I'm just gonna literally read his CV <laughs> from <laughs> no, Wikipedia. We, it needed to happen. Uh, we're gonna start with a video that you picked. Start yes. from the beginning, very beginning. We're gonna watch Chic before they were Chic. Yeah, I said the name of the band when I read that. They were the Big Apple Band. The Big Apple Band, which was the first band of uh, Bernard King. Mm-hmm. Bernard King, no. Uh, Bernard, Edwards. Bernard Edwards. Bernard King is a basketball player from the New York <laughs> Knicks who played in the early '80s and had a massive coke problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bernard Edwards and uh, Tony Thompson and and Niall all came together and formed the Big Apple Band. They didn't get a record contract out of this, and this was like right. They were this. The Big Apple Band was the band that went to see Roxy Music mm-hmm. and became chic. Right. Well, I also read not that that's not true. Yeah. But there was another band called the Big Apple Band. Yeah, and they had to so change. they had to change it for Which that reason. Which is smart too, because the Big Apple Band's a dumb. Name. It's a terrible name. It's a dumb name. Yeah. So good musicians. I'm like, guys, I get what it, you're it doing. It sounds like I'm going to hear a polka band. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like I'm going to hear some. Right. 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 Yeah. 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 And this is them doing um, the Bee Gees. Yeah, this is a cover of You Should Be Dancing. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate. I also just want to say I found out, and I read it on Wikipedia, so who knows if it's true or if some smartass just put it there. But it said that he and Bernard met because they were both performing with the touring company for Sesame Street Live. I saw that too, and I don't know if that's true. And I want to believe that so much. I hope it's true. I hope it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but this is them doing You Should Be Dancing. Yeah. This is like great because it's black and white. Yeah. It looks way old. This, now, there's this title card. Where it says pro, it's a logo. It says promotion. Was this just like early cable access or something? In my mind, this is like a. It's a promotion for them. Yeah, 
and that they recorded this in a studio to try to get a deal. So, so, like they, so promotion here is literally just they're saying this is a promotion, not that it's like some show called promotion. That's my guess. Yeah, that is my guess. Okay, it, it's from 1976, but it looks earlier Way because earlier. it's so underproduced. Yeah, real lo-fi video. Real lo-fi. It looks like it's late 60s or even yeah. mid 60s. So if this were on TV, it would have been color. Yeah. So it's my thought. They're like, let's do a demo reel. I mean, in fact, when I first watched it, I was like. Oh, did the Bee Gees cover this? Yeah, no. Because this looks like it has to be from before then. Exactly. This is a... I mean... Yeah. I love the Bee Gees, but they do a... Gr- uh, the Big Apple Band does a great job on this. Yeah. And so you can hear that chucking already. Yeah. Which is great. And I don't know who the lead singer is, and I don't know whatever happened to him. Hmm. And I don't know uh, the white guy behind them. Oh, yeah. Uh, Was he just playing a a guitar, too? I think so, yeah. I don't know what he would be playing. He looks like John Lennon a little. He does. (laughs) What if it was? (laughs) John Lennon was almost a part of Sitting in with the big apple bag. Just like I was a fan. Yeah. Yeah, I like the lead singer. I like the lead singer, too. He's not, like, excellent, but he's got charisma and he's, yeah. I think they might have, like, once they formed Chic, they're like, I think they had an idea in their head of, like, let's get some women. Yeah. We're going to do a whole different, little bit of a look. Because here they're, like, dressed nice in, like, turtlenecks and jackets. But then when they became Chic, they got real fancy. Yeah. So I think it was, like, a, it was an on-purpose idea to, like, up their, their swag a bit. I mean, yeah, the lead singer's just wearing, like, a long sleeve tee yeah. and jeans. He, he also seems a little grittier than what they eventually became. Yeah. 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 This is, feels so old. You're right. This, I was like, is this the is this 68? Or, yeah. What is the white guy doing? He's playing a bass. Is he? Look at the tuning keys. Oh, wait. No, he's not. It just looked like they were fat yeah. tuning keys from behind. Oh, he's playing that... He's playing lead guitar. He's playing lead guitar. He was there yeah. to do that lead guitar. Yeah. That makes sense. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad, uh, fake John Lennon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who never became part of Sheik. There's another Big Apple Band song out there that's another cover. I just can't remember what it was. Uh-huh. It might be another... It was another big hit that they covered. And you can tell it's like it's just them to get a... It's a demo. Yeah, I like this version better than the Bee Gees version. It's it's a little raw. Yeah, it doesn't because it doesn't have the slickness that yeah. disco has. Yeah, and it's faster. I think. I think it's faster. When I first heard this, I thought it was faster. Yeah, as well. and it's I like, think it's like disco punk. Yeah, and I think that fast might have something to do with uh, Tony Thompson, who yeah. is one. Of, I mean, I'm not a big like drum guy. He's one of my favorite drummers. Yeah, and just as an aside. He was almost going to be the drummer for the reunited Led Zeppelin. Ooh. Uh, then when they were going to, I think they were going to do it in, yeah, it must have been like in the 80s or something. Or, that I mean, they've almost reunited yeah. somebody. That would have driven, like, Led Zeppelin fans bananas. <laughs> yeah. But they loved him, and also because, like, he hits the drums really hard, yeah. like John Bonham did. And so they're like, oh, let's get Tony Thompson. It was going to happen, but then they, yeah. I think our plan's like, oh, let me do a solo career, and do the honey drippers. <laughs> I know the honey drippers. Yeah. But yeah, very, very early on. 
Yep. Nile pre-dreadlocks. And, and the best thing that ever happened to them, not getting a record deal as the Big Apple Band. Yeah. Great, great bad news. Yeah. They, they One of the worst bad names ever. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Uh, okay. Uh, I found, this is, I've done this before. I just found a cool video on Fender Guitars oh, yeah. YouTube channel. This is a video titled, Nile Rogers Shares the First Song He Learned on Guitar. Oh. So a little bit of branded content, but he's not selling you any particular Fender guitar, so don't worry, don't worry about people. this being advertising. <laughs> we're not, Fender didn't pay us. Yeah. I shouldn't have even said where it was from, because <laughs> yeah. it doesn't really come up. But I play was the Beatles song, A Day in the Life. I had, uh, I had convinced my mom to buy me a guitar. I you look shocked right now. Two things. Yeah. A Day in Life is my favorite Beatles song. Okay. It's a uh, lot of people's. Yeah. But since I hate the Beatles, it's more important. Um, <laughs> and secondly, I'm like, what? I'm trying to like picture how he, I hope he, is he, does he, well, we'll see. I want him to play it because I'm like, what, what does, what does that sound like? Just <laughs> guitar alone. There's just so much going on in that song. This is a really interesting okay. story that's going to satisfy you. Okay. To look at this Beatles song book, I used to study the positions. I kept trying to get it right, and no matter how hard I tried, it would never really sound like the song. By having this thing tuned in fourths, except this one major third here in the middle of it, like throws the whole thing off. But I didn't realize how it should be tuned. So I just so basically that song being as weird as it is, and the the Beatles being an experimental phase, like the guitar is tuned all wacky on that song. Do you think and, and he didn't know and that. He, didn't so he know was that. trying to recreate it with standard tuning. And he's like, why doesn't this sound right? And then right. he learned because they were... Do you think the Beatles were like, oh, let's fuck around with it, or it's out of tune. Ah, fuck it, just play it, see what happens. I think probably the former. I think, I think they were very in control of their... Okay. I mean, they were also on acid, yeah. but, but I think they were deliberately, deliberately trying things. Okay. Yeah. Tuned it the way I could to get a song out of it. And uh, my mom's boyfriend at the time came in and heard me struggling over this song and he saw me reading the book and he knew I could read music so he couldn't understand why I couldn't get it right. Anyway, he picked up the guitar and he said, whoa, how the hell do you have this thing tuned? And he tuned the guitar for me and I will never forget this feeling. All of a sudden, these positions that I had been practicing over and over and over again so diligently, once he tuned the guitar for me, it was easy as pie because <laughs> I didn't realize that I was learning bar chords, which to early guitar players are pretty hard to do because you have to build up the strength. So I kept trying to just play harder and harder and harder to get the thing right. By the time he tuned the guitar for me to play... Oh, here we go. <laughs> to, to just pick up my guitar and go, there's nothing to it. I couldn't believe it. I... like the easiest thing in the world and when you're a, when you're a guitar player starting off and you practice this after about 20 minutes your fingers you're dying but at that point I had already put in the hard work and I, I remember playing boom I read the news today oh boy boom 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 about a lucky of course I was going a lot slower than that when I first played that song and I'm looking at the Beatles songbook I never had a feeling 
of elation like that. I mean, I've been chasing that high ever since I picked this thing up. <laughs> he is such a delightful music nerd. Yeah. I mean, so he's like just hearing him speak. He's so excited to retell that story. Yeah. And I love that one of the greatest guitars of all time was just learning out of a book the way that so many kids yeah. do. Just, yeah, he had a Beatles tab book or whatever. Yeah, and he could read it. it. Yeah. He figured it out yeah. and got help and yeah. put in the hours. All right, let's listen to a little more music. All right. This is We Are Family by Sister Sledge. Yes. The great disco songs of all time. Yep. Sounds just like a chic song. Sounds just like a chic song. It's, I, I think Sister Sledge was, I think... What it is is, and this is them on oh, this American, is on American Band, and they do a little dancing. Um, you forget that, like Sister Sledge. Well, no one forgets except me, but it doesn't forget because I'm old. <laughs> they were like huge for like a couple of years. Yeah, like the, every song was a big hit, and this song was huge. And this song is still played at sporting events. This, I mean, it gets played everywhere. It's everywhere. In, in commercials. It's in political we- rallies. Weddings. Sure. Everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. But yeah, it's mean, like, it's almost, it's right up there with Celebration by Cool and the Gang. Yes. Like, just any, co- like, celebratory context, you can play yeah. this song. And it any sort of event. Works. Yeah. Any event. Um, but this was, I think, it, they were, they, I, they were all sisters. Yeah. It wasn't like the, the fake thing. And I think they were a singing group, and then I think Sheik was like, discovered them. And was like, okay, well, they're going to be an offshoot of Sheik, and they're just going to sound like Sheik, yeah. but, but harmonize really great. Yeah. So he didn't just uh, produce this, or they didn't. They, they no, wrote it No, he produced it. I thought he wrote and produced it. Wrote but it But they too. were like a singing group. They were an established no, I know. I'm group. saying I know that he, uh, he produced it, but did he also write it? Oh, I thought Which he I assume did. so because it sounds so much yes. like Sheik. I thought he did. Yeah. 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 And I think he just, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was he, like, discovered them. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm going to put you guys on record because you're great. But, yeah, if you had, if the, if you put Chic under this, you'd be like, oh, yeah, no, it is a Chic song. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm looking back at what I read earlier. It does say he wrote and produced yeah. for other artists, and I think it's say he wrote We Are Family. Yeah. And The Greatest Dancer, which I don't think I know that song. You know The Greatest Dancer. Do I? You know why you know The Greatest Dancer? Why? Because you know Getting Jiggy with it. Oh, that is, okay. Yeah. It samples that. that that's okay. how you know yeah. it, yeah. Getting Jiggy with uh, samples, he's The Greatest Dancer. Uh, I wish I didn't know Getting Jiggy with it. <laughs> I don't hate Getting Jiggy with it. I don't hate Getting Jiggy with it because they do, he's The Greatest Dancer. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's funny, Sister Sledger's real, uh, real wholesome. Yeah, I mean, the song's called We Are Family. <laughs> yeah. It's a good, yeah, you can play this for your kids. Yeah. All audiences. You can, yeah, you can be a kid, which I did, and enjoy this. You could be in a disco snorting blow. Well, that's what, I, I'm, I assume that's what you meant. Like, oh, disco always seems a little sleazy. Yeah. But for disco, this isn't yeah, sleazy no, not at, all. at all. Exactly. Yeah. But it, you could make it sleazy. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> disco can make anything sleazy. Yeah. Look, now they're together. They've got all their sisters with them. <laughs> they do. Each of them does. <laughs> Funny how that works. Now, is that really there's only four of them? Or do they have like one sister who's too young to be in the band <laughs> and she's no. just off to the side like... Meh. No, it was four. Okay. It was four. They all look exactly the same, they but they're all... wearing different colored 
tops yes. so you can tell the difference. Exactly. So you know that there's some individuality. Right, right, right. Yes. Yeah, that's just an all-time classic. Yeah. Uh, and that yeah. was like right after, to give a context, she kept blown up and then it was like one of those... Hey, Sheik, you can do whatever you want. Great, I have Sister Sledge. Here, they'll yeah. be ahead. We're going to follow this up with Good Times. Just because... Why not? Both of them, these singles were released literally within a couple months of each other. The same summer, oh, yeah. I think, 1979. Mm-hmm. And they sound exactly the same. <laughs> I mean, not exactly the same, but... But We Are Family sounds a lot like yeah. Good Times. Yeah. And Good Times is a very important song just in the history of pop music. Yes. Mainly because, as we've talked about before, the bass line became yes. a sample for Rapper's Delight. Yes, and, and as, as, as we've said, rap music would have found its way without Good Times. But good time, without Good Times, it would have taken a lot Yeah, long. that was the first hip-hop hit. Yeah. I just wanted to back it up to the beginning again, because it starts off, and there's just a disco dance floor packed with dancers yes. dancing. And there's one guy in particular who's my favorite. <laughs> Is and it the I guy want, in the... Let me see if I can... This guy with the pink pants. <laughs> now, it's funny. I'm looking at the guy with the white jacket because I'm like, I would wear that jacket. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little Sonny Crockett. Yeah. Now, I have no evidence of this, but in my head, this is European. Oh, this video? Oh, the, like they're performing in Europe? Yeah, like, like that dancing in the back is European. Yeah, they're like idea. German or something. Yeah. I don't. I can't. I can't prove that. You were so close to using the word Euro trash. Right now. <laughs> it was really. <laughs> this is weird. Yes, they are. Do, there's an effect where they are chroma keying the dancing audience that's standing in front of the band. Yes, they're chroma keyed also behind them on stage. Yes, and there's. More members of the band in Chic than really are in the band Chic. Okay. Because Chic is five. Uh, the, uh, the three dudes and three their dudes, two, two singers. singers. Yeah. And now there's like, well, there's guys pretending to do to play the violin. And that then we're there's a, and, yeah, there's yeah. a piano player. Okay. Uh, which could have been in the session because there's piano on yeah. this. But yeah, there was only and early on there was only one woman, and then when they became a little bigger, they brought two women in. Yeah. This is what this, and you can see also that they're dressed up a little nicer, a little oh, yeah. flashier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess they just wanted to do this effect to make it seem like there's so many people at this party, yeah. but it looks real weird. It's disconcerting. Yeah, yeah. This song was never not played, and it's also like you don't get sick of it. It's, you can still dance to this. Yeah, it's the same thing with any event. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah. But there's there's also an ironic hang to it if you pay attention to the lyrics, because they start off quoting Happy Days Are Here Again. Oh yeah, yeah. Which came out like right at the start of the depression. depression. Yeah. And then this is at the end of the seventies where it's really not the it's best not. like they're in the middle of <laughs> yes. a big recession. There's a gas shortage, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> the hostages in Iran. So I I think there's a little bit of calculated irony to the so. song Good Times. Because at the same time they say they sing clams on the half shell and yeah. roller skates, yeah, 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 which I love. That's the best line in the song, yeah. yeah. Clams on the half shell, clams on the half shell. And roller skates, and roller skates, yeah. roller skates, which was sampled by uh, De La Soul. Oh. On which song? Jam called. It's the roller. It's the roller skating song off De La Soul's dad. I can't remember. Oh, okay. Do you know what I love to do? 
What do you like? Eat clams while I'm roller skating. <laughs> They're fun at the same time. Yeah. The weird thing about that is like, I think of oysters as decadent, but clams I just think is like working class Rhode I, Island fisherman's You're, you're correct, and here's, I guarantee you here's why. Yeah. It doesn't fit the rhyme scheme. Well, no, it doesn't. You can't yeah. say oysters on a half shop. No, right. So they just said, fuck it, say clams. Right, but I to me... money on it. Yes, I get that. But it's still funny because yeah. oysters are sexy and clams aren't. No, no. Oh, that chucking is the best. Yeah, yeah. He's really going. He's for going it. in and out. Yeah, he's feeling it. It's a classic dynamic, like fiery guitar player and cool bass yes. player. Yes, yes, they work well together. Yeah. They're a great, great team. Yeah, uh, I love Chic. Chic is delightful. Okay, let's go right into another classic disco <laughs> song. This one yes. is your pick. Another, also another all-time classic. Hip hop sample, yes, that I knew first yes. from the song that samples from it. Mo Money Mo Problems, right? This is Diana Ross's I'm Coming Out. Now, there's no video for this, mm-hmm. um, so this is the live version of her in uh Central Park in, Central in 1980, Park. yeah, and it's a show, yeah, it's fucking huge. Now, this version's way faster and a little less funkier because mm-hmm. I think it's live. You owe it to yourself to go listen to the original because sure. of the beginning. Yeah. Of the uh, the drum the drum beat that Tony Thompson does because it's a uh, long yeah. extended drum part of her just singing I'm coming out and him doing drums and it's the best. I mean, people I think know that song. Yeah, it's always yeah. worth listening to again. Yes, but watching the live performance is great because you you get to watch Diana Ross perform live. There's in two, Central Park. Yes, and there's there were a couple videos of live videos of her doing. Uh, I'm coming out. And yeah. Everyone, she's running up the stage. Yeah. And she's running. <laughs> oh, like different takes? No, it's like like different concerts. Oh. It's the same thing. Oh, like this is what she would run on stage. She's like, oh, okay. like running on stage in heels. And yeah. it's, it's very fun. Yeah. There is. You can hear the drums there. Oh, I love that drum so much. I love that as she's running to the stage, she's literally yelling, I'm coming! It's like, wait a minute, is that an intro or is she just telling them? Is she late or is it an intro? And she's wearing this real complicated dress and she almost falls right there up the stage. And then here she goes. I mean, it's... Look at that fucking crowd. Yeah. So this is way faster. Oh, yeah. And she's wearing... I like how she is... Two mics. Yeah, the one. Well, because she had to scream from backstage. <laughs> I'm coming. Yeah. Now, uh, a little backstory. Uh, Nile Rodgers wrote this song yeah. on his own, and he wrote it. He went to a, a drag show in New York. Yeah. And saw a drag impersonator doing Diana Ross. Oh. And it's like he came back to his place and was like, "I'm coming out." That's the song. Yeah. So he was inspired by drag queens doing uh, the the balls. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, That's interesting because, I mean, this is obviously such a gay anthem. Yeah. But I always wondered if it was written on purpose for that or if it meant more just like I'm coming out of like, I don't know, a debutante way yeah, or just a or generalized or like, way. I'm, I'm not shy anymore. Or right, right. But yeah, apparently it came directly from It was intended to be like a yeah. gay anthem. Almost. Now, because I was little yeah. and dumb, I had no idea this was like a gay anthem. Oh yeah, sure. Like like I was ten. I was like I just I was like oh this is a great song. You yeah. no, I, I never would have occurred to me. And then like I heard it and I was like yeah, tell me of yeah. course, you fucking well, idiot. Like I was saying when I when I first heard it, it was when I was in high school in the nineties when Mo Money Mo Problems was a big hit. Yeah. And the chorus to that, I mean, samples 
Diana Ross singing the yeah. chorus to this saying I'm coming out and everyone was kind of like is Puff Daddy gay? Like really? Why? That's so funny. But, or, yeah, because it is a weird thing to sample. Yeah, and you know, and it, well, it's also I always think of it as a Puff Daddy and Mace song. Yes, but it's a Biggie song. It's, it's a Biggie his, song. It's up his album, right? But it came out as a single posthumously. Yes, so I forget that it's a Notorious B.I.G. That's so funny. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, it's a yeah. It's a great song. Yeah, it is. It was, and it's. I think it was one of her like it, credit to Nile Rodgers. This is one of the Diana. It was a Diana Ross comeback. Yeah, like she brought this song on, and then she had a bunch of other hit songs in the eighties after that. Yeah, like Upside yeah. Down and Muscles, and which is not yeah. a great song, but Upside Down's a good song. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it was all because Nile Rodgers gave her uh, "I'm Coming Out." Oh, I didn't realize that that's what kicked off her comeback. Yeah, but yeah, it makes sense. Okay, we're going to watch another sort of Nile Rodgers talkie video. Uh, this is a thing. It's sort of like those Amoeba Music What's in My Bag videos. Have you seen those? Yeah. There, There is a YouTube web series where artists go to Amoeba Music here yeah. in Hollywood and then shop and then do an interview where they explain the stuff that they bought. Yeah, I have not, I used to watch it. I have not seen it in ages. So this isn't that. Oh, but okay. it is Nile Rodgers in a record store. Just like picking out albums oh. to buy and explaining his favorite records and why he's like buying. Them. This is going to be very exciting. The first thing he selects, you're going to be very surprised and maybe a little dismayed. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, what a primer. I don't think it's going to make you reconsider the band in question, <laughs> but you're going to be like, "Well, Nile Rodgers likes them." So. Hey, this is Nile Rodgers here, and I'm at Sonic Boom in Toronto. And you're watching the L. I want to go to Sonic Boom. That looks like a it's great album. Holy shit! This is called the LP Spree. So it's different from what's in my bag, but it's similar. Wow, that is a good-looking record store. Wow. <laughs> strange days by the door. Strange day. Their second album. Yeah. The I'm first gonna, one I ever bought because it had "People Are Strange" on it. Oh, that makes sense. Like. I'm not going to hate it because I'm like that's of his time. Sure, and he's got some cool, a yeah. cool story about it. So, believe it or not, when I was fourteen years old, I uh, dropped acid with Timothy Leary. Yeah, what? Wait, what? <laughs> believe it or not, guys. see what I mean about his modesty. Yeah. Like he's not being like I'm so cool. He's like he's like yeah. yeah when I was fourteen, I dropped acid with Timothy Leary. But that's not that part's not important. Yeah, let's get the important part is when I was high, I heard the doors. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Tell us more about meeting Timothy yeah. Leary when you were a high school freshman. You buried the lead. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the second day the Doors album came out. Mother, yes, son, I want to kill you, father. I want to kill you. Okay. Now, me being a music nerd, I'm like, uh, buddy, that's the end. That's on their first album. Oh. That's not on Strange Days. <laughs> uh, Nile. You got the wrong album, pal. Come on. Yeah. In the Right Place by Dr. John. I love that song. Really? I don't like any other Dr. John song. <laughs> How, really? How can you like that song so much and not like any other Dr. John? I don't John? know, but that song is great. I mean, it is, but I like Dr. John. And then I remember like he had like a bit of a comeback with like Baby Makes Your Blue Jeans Talk, which is horrible. <laughs> but In the Right Place is so good. Boy, it's so funky. We made this promise to ourselves once we became good bros that one day we would remake 
Dr. John's walk on gilded splinters. Do you know that song? No, I do not. Oh, Cher did a version of it. That's walk on weird. gilded splinters. Yes. Good name for a song. And you say he and Bowie were going to remake it. Oh. And they never got to. I haven't done it, obviously, and I can't do it now that Bowie's passed away. But I'm going to probably convince Robert Plant to do it with me. <laughs> God, he's so cool. Yeah. Dylan. Very Same. easily. Steve Miller! So far, he's just picking like just the whitest dad music. Yeah, it's really weird. He likes the Doors, Dr. John, and Steve <laughs> Miller band. And name drop Dylan. Yeah. Bands. Way before they became commercial. Psychedelic hippie bands. Oh, I didn't even know that. My boys. Um, Early Steve Miller. Steve Miller. Quicksilver Messenger Service bands like that. that. They were like the bomb to me. I'm a joker, I'm a smoker. You think I remember the rest? Come to my house and look at my record collection. Oh, yes, sir, I will. (laughs) Now, this album. Do you not know what that is? On oh no, site? I thought it was something else. But go ahead. Uh, this is the album that, for me, was the one that like blew the back of my head off when I was a teenager. Where okay. I just completely switched the kind of music that I listened to. This is the Jimi Hendrix Experience's first album. Are you experienced? Which I was still listening to like alternative rock radio, mm-hmm. and then my brother, uh, who's sixteen at the time, and and got his first job working at the library. Mm-hmm would take home CDs from the library and he took this album home because it this was uh, they re-released it in 97 for its 30th anniversary oh so it was like new on the shelf and he took it home and made a tape of it mm-hmm. and I swiped the tape <laughs> good job and I just I remember it very clearly I was just going for a walk I was home alone it was the summer mm-hmm. and I was just going for a walk and I was like I need something for my walk man I was like let me Go in David's room where I'm not supposed to go and like snoop through his tapes and just swipe something because I wanted to listen to something new. Yeah. And I grabbed that and put it in my Walkman. And I remember walking down High Service Avenue in Providence listening to this and just being like, what the fuck? <laughs> like I'd heard Purple Haze yeah. and stuff on the radio, but but it just like opened my brain. And I and I bought a copy of the CD and I just listened to it. Constantly for like a year, just this album. I love stories like that because it's, it's so just random and casual that such a big moment happens at right after. It. Yeah, it just connected with yeah. me so hard. Because you could have so. picked any, you could have picked any tape. You yeah, like, let me just grab this. Whatever, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, it's it's still such a good album. Yeah. I also love that he can't sing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, Giant Steps Giant by Steps. John Steps. Huge Steps. fan of Giant Steps. If, if they tell you it wasn't, they're lying. <laughs> uh, now, I like it, the other big John Coltrane album. A Blue Train? No, the uh, other uh, Coltrane album. Uh, Love Supreme. Love Supreme's great. Oh, oh there it is. He also oh, likes Love go. Supreme. Yeah. Love Supreme. <laughs> great stuff. That's also that oh, Duke Ellington and John Coltrane album. So I, good. I feel real special because I have all these albums. So I'm yeah. like, I get Nile. I mean, they're pretty basic jazz albums, but... Paul, let me have my drink. But the, <laughs> I mean, next is going to be like, Kind of Blue, have you heard this? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Dave Brubeck, Time Out, it's kind of rare. Uh, different. Oh, birth, birth, cool. birth of a one, yeah. Miles used to call me up and ask me to write him a composition like 
tell you what he would say to me every night. Nah, I want you to rap me a motherfucking good time. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. Yep. In a weird way, it's just He's so nice. I went to the record store because it was the only way that I could afford to buy the records because I'd get my employee discount. So I was always behind on my rent because I would always come in and buy this stuff. I gotta, I gotta tell this story. Uh, so, how about that one? Yes. Sex Packets by Digital uh, Underground. I love that. I can't wait to hear this. It's a great the, the, album. His story about the Digital yeah. Underground. This is a good story. Uh, you know, there's a sample on here where they use Good Time. I did a campaign for Nike called Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood with a great basketball yeah. player, David Robinson. Yeah. So since they took a sample from me without clearing it, I took a sample from them without clearing it. They <laughs> decided to sue me, and I called them up and I said, uh, yo guys, it's me. And they went, oh no, we're sorry, man. So <laughs> we're all connected. Oh, you're the greatest. <laughs> Isn't that a good story? Oh, that's great. <laughs> wow. They just heard like, they didn't realize that he, he they just saw the commercial and they're like, what like, the fuck? Hey, that's their song. Yeah. And so, so he's like, uh, yeah, I'm Niall Rogers. I'm the one who, who did that campaign. <laughs> like, oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry yeah. Mr. Rogers. Hands up. All good. Now, this album, I don't know. I'll play The Blues for You by Albert King. I know I who Albert King is. I know by name. But I don't know the album by yeah, name. Yeah, I do not listen to blues. People that make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. And I saw Albert King for the first time. And I was actually in tears and the hair on the back of my neck stood up. Like I said, I, there's, there's no record I really couldn't talk about. <laughs> He's going to the door like back. Yeah, because he realized that when he was singing the end earlier, oh. he's like, oh wait. No, this is this album. This he's is like, the hang on, I just forgot something. Yeah. He did um there's a, a long running BBC show called Desert Island Discs. Are you familiar with that no. show? Where they every episode they interview a musician and and or, or an artist or someone prominent and that person says like what album they take on a desert island, what book oh, they take, okay. blah blah blah. Yeah. And I, he, Niall Rogers did it, and like he said on it that his favorite song is "The End" by The Doors. Wow! Which not only a Doors song, but like the most quintessentially like Doorsy Doors yeah. song. Yeah. Wow. He loves the Doors. He's a Doors fan. I never would expect it. After this puppy came out, I met a gentleman named Timothy Leary, who I had no idea who he was. He's like retelling the story, but they forgot to edit it out. That's exactly what it feels like. When he like he realized like, oh, I had the album wrong, but they put it. They put both. They put both of them. They're they're doing him a disservice. Yeah. Know what acid was, and the guys asked me to take a trip. I thought that they just meant to go out someplace hanging out. And look at my life now. So without the doors, we wouldn't have Nile Rodgers or Sheik. We wouldn't have hip hop. (laughs) So we We yeah, we it all goes back to the doors. Although let's give more of the credit to Timothy Leary and LSD than to the Doors themselves. Please let's do that. But then here's the other thing: is you and I have shit on the Doors a lot. Yeah, because they deserve it. Uh, But if when we were fourteen. We had dropped acid with Timothy Leary and then listened to the Doors album and became lifelong Doors fans. That would be awesome. Like, that's a good reason yeah. for liking the yeah, Doors. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that tracks. Timothy Leary gave me out acid and then played the Doors album for me, so I'm a Doors yeah. fan. Only under those circumstances. Those, yes, those specific <laughs> yeah. circumstances we can, yeah. So that's it. Oh, that was awesome. 
Oh wait, no, he's got some more. Nope. He's oh, now he's ranking them. His his oh. top favorite. So okay. One of my favorite records of all time. I don't care what anybody says. Satanic Majesty's request. What songs are on that? I don't know, but he's saying I don't care what anybody says because this is considered not their best. Oh, okay. This came out, I think, in '67 or '68, like right after Sgt. Pepper's. And this was the album where the doors were like, ooh, we're going to be psychedelic. Yeah, I remember hearing this. And they didn't really pull it off. So people don't like this album. And he's saying, like, no, screw that. This this is a great album. Oh, I like that. Because he clearly likes psychedelic. He really does. But you don't hear a lot of his music. I'm a psychedelic guy. That's... Wow. Bitches Bitches Brew is... Hard to listen to. Uh, <laughs> oh boy! I, I mean, that's it. pure fusion before fusion became it's so real popular. hard. Yeah, Miles Davis has two albums: "Bitches Brew" and "On the Corner," which mm-hmm. once a year I'm like, okay, here I go. Gonna yeah. see if I get it now, and I don't get it, and I just go, oh boy, try next year. Yeah, it still might happen. Maybe yeah. you have to reach a certain age, yeah. and I don't know what that age is. But like, I know that, you know how when you turn thirty, and all of a sudden you like Zappa. <laughs> no. <Or> like, <laughs> okay, well then maybe bitches brew. You say cilantro. We're like, also not cilantro. Or like you turn thirty, and all of a sudden you like Steely Dan. Oh uh, yeah, there you go. Okay, yeah. yep. <laughs> that works. Didn't have enough money to pay for it, so I let my buddy pay for it. But I bought the hash. Well, maybe okay. There's your ticket. You need to be high. Yeah, yeah. Granddaddy of them all. God, you love the Doors. Holding up the first Doors album here. It's his favorite album. A strictly classical musician to a musician who wanted to explore rock and roll and jazz. A record that made me switch from clarinet to guitar. No way. Who I am today. Sesame Street, the Apollo. Sesame oh, he, he said Sesame Street, so it's a fact. Yay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the first Doors album, he says he owes it all to the Doors. Does this mean I have to fucking rethink the Doors? <laughs> and no, it them? means you have to go back in time <laughs> to 1967. Yeah. Drop acid with Timothy Leary. Listen to the end while tripping. And then you can... That's what you have to do. Otherwise, you're off the hook for lighting (laughs) the doors. I mean, but, like, the fact that he just said, it made me drop clarinet and play guitar. Yeah. What if he hadn't? Like, what if he was like, I'm just going to be... He could. He would be, like, Nile Rodgers clarinet guy in an orchestra. Yeah. Oh, it's fascinating. If he hadn't listened to the doors, he wouldn't have become a guitar player. Yeah. He wouldn't have formed Chic. There'd be no Sugar Hill Gang. Yeah. There'd be no... Hip-hop might not even have happened. It might not have popped off at all. It's crazy. It all goes back to the doors. It all goes... uh, It all goes back to the doors. I told you you might be dismayed. I'm a little dismayed about this whole thing. I have to rethink my life. (laughs) It does not mean you have to like the doors. They're still bad. They still suck. But you have to give it up to them because... They gave us this gift. The butterfly effect that this album sells. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, but I just love him talking about music. Yeah, that's that's great. I love that. Okay, uh, we I mentioned in the intro he is responsible for "Let's Dance." Yes, the big David Bowie hit yep. song and album of the same name. Yes. So I found a clip of him on stage talking about "Let's Dance." I can't wait to hear this because I have some stories. I want to know if he talks about them. Okay, this is the name of this 
video on YouTube is Niall Rogers tells the story of David Bowie's Let's Dance. Oh, this is going to be awesome. And he's holding the guitar. Yeah, he's, uh, he's on stage. He's got his guitar, so he's going to play a little and uh, show you how he writes a song. I was at an after-hours club and I run into this guy named David Bowie. And, uh, and he was sitting in the back of the room all by himself. And uh, so I walk over to him and I start talking to him because he lived in the same building as Luther Vandross and the young Americans and yeah, all these guys. Yeah, because Luther Vandross and um, So I say, yeah, man, Luther is my boy, and blah, blah, blah. And we start talking and all David wants to do is talk about jazz. And I'm like, oh, really? And we're talking about everybody that we love and this one and that one. And he was into really avant-garde stuff. So um, uh, he, he asked me to come to Switzerland. And, uh, and I think that the Swiss trip was some kind of audition. Hmm. So I go to Switzerland and David writes something that sounds like this. Just now realized that. Yeah, it's great. And for a guy who doesn't really care about guitar, it's just so. But because I was so afraid of the Crystal Sucks thing, I just played. And then Bob Quimmon put these unbelievably cool delays. Oh, exactly. smart of him to go hey that's a little too disco-y and, um, yeah and well he said uh, he said did you hear what he said he said I was so afraid of the whole disco yeah. thing. 
Because it's like 1982. Yeah, and everyone's like, this is bullshit. It's, it's still, done. right, they're like at the tail end where it still sort of exists, yeah. but like people are it's shitting It's way on last grass. Right. Yeah, and but smart of him to be like, hey, let me change it up a little right, bit. Right, so he kind of made a new way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a smash. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, so I used to always tell this story that uh, we did the record in 19 days because David had booked three weeks at the studio. So Bob and I, we did a video game soundtrack not too long ago. And, uh, and he said, no, no, we did it in 17 days. The last few days, you just didn't show up. You were like, I'm partying. <laughs> party animal, you know, and, and so we did it in 17 days, literally start to finish, mixed in everything, Steve wow. Ray's solos. David's vocals, he, he said Stevie Ray's solos. Does Stevie Ray Vaughan play on Let's Dance? Yes, you know I that? I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. he plays it. He does the solo on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. I even wrote the Warner arrangements. Nick Ricochet, he just threw that together. And I went out and wrote the dip, 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 all that stuff. And in 17 days, and Bob mixed like three or four songs a day. And we were done. So for the last few days, he had listening parties and while I'm selling the record. So, yeah. um... So then all of a sudden, then my career got another boost. And I did It's almost, I draw a parallel to like Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis doing Janet. Yeah. It's that thing where they're like, did a cut, they producing some minor acts. Yeah, because I mean, he's they've already done Sister Sledge yeah, and Diana, Diana Ross, Ross and yeah. that stuff, but. But this was a crossover on another level. Yeah, exactly. It yeah. just blew up, blew them up. Oh no way! David Ross, that's crazy. He's pretty much finished. Yeah. About yeah. The the two stories that I heard about uh, Let's Dance, which I love, mm-hmm. are one that uh, I heard, one that uh, Nile Nile Rogers said, and uh, there's a great uh, documentary on Netflix that I've mentioned about him. You yeah, should all check it out. There's a couple documentaries yeah. about him, yeah. and he talked about the Let's Dance, and he's like, he admitted, this is how cool he is. He's like, you know, I felt a lot of pressure, yeah, to make this a hit because the song's called Let's Dance. It's a dance song. I'm a dance guy. Yeah. And this is like his quote. He was like, if I fail this, I have to go and turn in my black musician card. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, that's great. That's yeah. so great. And it's, like, it's, it's, it's nothing for David Bowie, who's a huge star. Yeah. But not necessarily a dance music guy to be like, oh, I want to do a song I'll called Let's it. Dance. Yeah. But Sheik's first first hits were dance, dance, it's dance, dancing. and everybody, everybody dance. dance. And like, yeah, he's got to live yeah, up to that. He's got to deliver, and he yeah. totally did. The other great story I heard is about David Bowie is that there was a big gap between his previous album and Let's Dance. Yeah. And the reason why he did that, the story I heard, I think it's true. I'm going to believe it's true. He uh, was in a fight with his manager. Mm-hmm. And he realized his manager was fucking him over, and he's like, "You know what? I'm not going to record any music until this contract is done with my manager." Yeah. So he refused to record for a couple of years. Contract ended. He fired his manager and just went, 
I'm going to make the biggest fucking pop album ever just to fuck this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why he went to Nile Rodgers. Yeah. And Let's Dance is Bowie's best-selling album. Yeah, and he never did like a real pop album again. No. Yeah, which is fascinating. So it was... It's I, and nothing just, he did with Tin Machine. Oh, also. boy, Tin Machine. <laughs> I mean, I like, some, I like some David Bowie after Let's Dance. Tin Machine's not one yeah. of them. I mean, people know Let's Dance yeah. and the other songs from A China Girl. And modern like Love. That. And modern, modern Love's my favorite. I love Modern Love. But... Like, when you think of Bowie, you think of the 70s stuff and yeah. 70s Stardust and stuff, but Let's Dance is his biggest hit album. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, I think, the the story is it's all because he just hated his manager who was stealing from him. Yeah. And that manager got no money for Let's Dance. <laughs> and I was like, good for you, David Bowie. All right, yeah. Good for you. Uh, so, I mentioned it at the top, and uh, Niall just mentioned it, and that, who he worked with right after Let's Dance, and that is who, Kirk? In Excess. In Our excess. first time we're playing In Excess. That's crazy. That's kooky talk. I assume you love In Excess. Love In Excess. Have we never talked about we, Michael we, Hutchins on any level? Yeah. Never yeah. talked about In Excess or Michael Hutchins. This is early, pre-kick In Excess. Pre-kick, pre-what you need, yeah. pre-listen like thieves, I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, this, this is, is original, original sin. sin. And you'll hear it and you go, oh yeah, that's Niall Rogers playing Yeah. <laughs> With an excess. From uh, 83, I think, yeah, or 84, yeah. maybe? So they're still fairly new. They did the one thing, so they'd already done one thing. Yeah. So you'll hear it kick in. Right there. Yeah. And, like, it's so funny because I honestly had no idea Nile Rodgers produced this until doing research. And I was like, oh, fuck yeah, he did In Excess? Yeah. No and it's idea. unmistakably an In Excess song. Yeah. Even at this early stage for them, yeah. their sound is sort of nailed down. But with that chucking guitar. Yeah, it's great. I assume Prince must have name-checked Nile Rodgers once or twice. Yeah, because, you would think. Because his playing style is definitely descended yeah. from Nile Rodgers. I would agree. I would agree. Uh, like, it's very Prince-like in this song. Yes, yeah. that is very Prince-like. It's true. It is so weird that we're doing In Excess for the first time because they were so important in the 80s. Were you a fan then? Yes. Yeah. Like, immediately. Yeah. Like, I don't think I heard Original Sin first. I think I heard one thing. And immediately you're like, well, this band is great. Yeah. And every single that came out, you're just like, God damn. Yeah. What are they doing that's so good? Be- because I'm a little younger, to me, they're one of those bands that's like, oh, they've always existed. Yeah. Like, they- like anything off a of kick just is, like has always been a standard. Yeah. yeah. Kick's album is insane. Like, yeah. people who like didn't give a crap about In Excess or Pop Music are like, oh, In Excess. Kick is great. There's something about In Excess where when I think of them... In the abstract, I'm like, oh, they're sort of a corny '80s band. But then you hear an excess song, and you're like, oh wait, no, they're awesome. Oh, they're so good. Yeah, they're so. I mean, I've just realized I'm like, I'm gonna dive deep at work tomorrow. Yeah. In excess. <laughs> and they were so like, they never seemed corny. They seemed really fucking cool. Yeah, and like they seemed like a real tight band. They didn't do themselves any favors. Ten years ago, when they had that reality show, oh. trying to search for the new lead singer. Yeah, of the I forgot about yeah. that. That was a rough one. Yeah. But they, I mean, how do you not call it quits when Michael Hutchins dies? Yeah, and you're just the rest of it. It's sense. rough. Yeah, it's rough. But they, I mean, they went from I think he died in '97, something like that. Yeah, I remember when it happened. Yeah, but like they were big from I'm gonna say like '81, '82 
to the early 90s. Yeah, the album after Kick came out. I can't remember what it's called. That was uh, self-titled? Yeah, because oh, it had X. Suicide Blonde on it. Yeah, but it wasn't, obviously, it wasn't yeah. as big a hit as Kick. No. And then... And then by then it was the 90s, and they're very 80s. They had so. one or two more albums in the early 90s that yeah. had, had... The albums weren't big, but had singles on them. Yeah. Like, Not Enough Time, that was a big one. And then that was kind of it. They were, like, delegated to, oh, you're an 80s band. Kick was almost too big for too their own big. good. Yeah. That whole so it was like when you like, have, a, like, a one-hit wonder that's too big. It's like, oh, you can't do anything after that. Yeah. I mean, Kick was so big, yeah. And it's funny too because Kick came before, came came after Listen Like These. Right. Remember when Listen Like These came out, we're like, oh well, NXS is huge. They're big. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. And then Kick came out, and you're like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Because now your grandma loves NXS. <laughs> yeah. Like just everybody has a copy of it. Yeah. And Michael Hutchins is just so fucking cool. He's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the last sax bands too. <laughs> <laughs> Did they have a dedicated sax player? Yeah, that guy was in it, yeah. He was the sax player? Yeah. Oh, okay. In, uh, um, like, What You Need, he was in there. Here's the thing. I'm sure you can, but I cannot name a single other member of NXS. I vaguely... If you told me the name of the lead guitarist, I'd be like, yes, that's right, but I can't yeah. remember it. Yeah. Because the lead guitarist was, like, the number two guy. Yeah, they yes. were all about... It's it's Michael Hutchins and yes. NXS. But a tight band and made tighter by uh, Mr. Nile That guitar, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, I hope you liked that Let's Dance video where he was talking about how he sort of yeah, I love the story. his part. Because we're going to watch another video just like that. We're going to skip way the hell ahead in time. Yeah. From 1983 to 2013. So just skip 30 years. Yeah. Uh, and talk. let's talk about Get Lucky. Great, great song. I, I, there was... That song dropped in April of 2013... It came out, and it immediately was like, everyone just decided this is the song of the summer. Yeah, like, like you have no debate. It dropped on the internet, and everybody was yeah. listening to it immediately. I can I can remember the day that it came out. That's and so just, funny. Like, it came out, it was on the internet, I listened to it a million times, and then I went outside to walk to across the street to the UCB to see a show, and mm. like, I heard it coming out of cars. <laughs> like, it was just... The, it was just and yes. For the summer of 2013, it was this summer. Yeah. No one hated it. No, it was great. Yeah. And it's Daft Punk, yep. who people don't know are a French band, but for Get Lucky, they brought on Nile Rodgers yep. and Pharrell Williams. Uh, but Nile Rodgers produced a bunch of other songs on this album, too. Yes. But, uh, this was the big jam. This was the huge hit. Yeah. And uh, Nile Rodgers didn't just play on it. He was a big... Like, like I said at the top, he won Grammys yeah. for this. And, uh, so this is a video of him talking about him writing the song. Oh, cool. When Daft Punk played this for me, they asked me something magical. <laughs> when I told them that we were recording in the studio that I did my very first Chic single in, Electric Lady, they said to me, Damn, man. How did you guys make Chic Records? And this was the perfect song for me to demonstrate to them how we did it. We take the basic harmony, and then I come up with a part. Uh. That's very simple. 
He makes it good, slow or fast. Yeah. Don't you wish you would make a video like this for every song <laughs> yes. he's ever written? I just this listening to him, I go, he'd be a great teacher. Yeah. Of anything. Like he just is great at explaining in an entertaining way what he's doing. I wonder if he did one of those master licks videos. Oh. That, remember the flea? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> always have that counterpart going next to, which marries to it. So I play. That's so cool. Yeah. It's, it's about to get cooler. <laughs> so that allows me to groove and jam and, and feel free and play free. It also allows me to accompany the other guy. It's like having two guitar players in the band that know what each other is doing. So the end result comes out is get lucky. And when I have to play it on stage, what I do is I do a hybrid of both parts. What? So what? He played. He's playing two lines that are dubbed. Like he's doing overdubs on the record. Yes. But they're both him, and he's saying, but but he can't play them both at the same time. On live, stage. so he he came up with. A different way to play yes. it that incorporates both parts I, at once. I can't wait. And now he's, and he, that's how he plays it live, and now he's about to play that. So I'll play. I don't know what he's doing, but you know it sounds different. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. He's married them into one. Also, thing. how he's just like, oh, I'm on stage. I'll, just, I'll put them together myself. Yeah. Because you could have gotten just another guitarist. Right, but... But why? You have Nile Rodgers. Yeah, you don't have to. Yeah. yeah. It's also fascinating. You're just like, oh, this was 2013 yeah. from a guy who started in the late 70s. Yeah. And he's still like... He, and he's never it. stopped. No. He, he's never had a comeback because he's always yeah. just worked. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, we've got one more... This is, I, I don't know this. You picked this. It's yep. post Get Lucky. Yes. So this is from when? 2015 or something? I think like this is like a, a year or two ago. Okay. I'm yeah. not familiar with this. What? I set it up. I'm going to set it up because I barely know it myself. Okay. Uh, it's Alex Newell and DJ Cassidy with Nile Rodgers, mm-hmm. Kill the Lights. Now, I just found this randomly. Yeah. Um, not even for the show. Just randomly, just YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like you might like. And I was like, oh, let's look at that. And this song has been on repeat for me for like three months. <laughs> really? Like, I, no joke. Again, it's one of those jogging songs. Yeah. I, I think I jogged half my jog to this song. I just kept repeating it. Oh, great. It is, you're going to go, wow, this is a straight up disco song. Yeah. And it is so infectious and happy and fun. You're like, oh, I'm so happy Nile Rodgers is a part of And it sounds like Nile Rodgers. You're going to hear and go, oh, yeah. Okay. And it's real disco-y. Real tight and just happy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's got two and a half million views. Yeah. And I just randomly picked this up and I was like, oh, well, this is my new favorite song. (laughs) I have no idea who DJ Cassidy is or Alex Moore is. Oh, yeah, you can hear that guitar. Yeah. 
it's just, yeah. and I love it because it's it's like we've come full circle, back to disco, back to disco, yeah. and the the chorus is real hooky. Oh yeah, this could be like a sister sledge. Song. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you could be like, hey Diana Ross, uh, I got a disco song for you. Yeah, it's 1978. Blow some rails and dance. <laughs> yeah. uh, that should be my theme song. Yeah, this hook that's coming up just makes me yeah. feel real good about life. Good, up, good bass line. Yeah, yeah, coming up here right here. Uh, it oh, makes me right. feel good. Yeah. Just happiness. And it's even got, the video's even got a disco vibe to it. Oh, for sure. The guys they know what it is. is. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're not going to pretend that this is anything but a disco song. Yeah. We're going to dress it. We're going to have albums around. I'm guessing that's the producer. I don't think Niles is in the city. You know, I haven't seen him yet. Yeah, um, yeah I, I would imagine this is good jogging music. Not that yes. good jog, but <laughs> also good driving music. Driving. Or just like walking music. Yeah. Like walking down the street, feeling feeling yourself. And you're like, I'm doing okay. Into this. I'm yeah. doing okay. Yeah. Yep. It's, uh, it's feel good music. Oh, yeah. Now they're getting all disco-y up in it. I'm also always amazed when I hear modern disco because yeah. I go, holy shit, you could play this in 78. Yeah. Like, they really leaned into it. I mean, it still sounds modern, too, but... Yeah, but, right? Yeah. And I'll have to do some digging. I don't know how or why Nile Rogers got involved in it. Yeah. But uh, it wouldn't have been the same without him. Nope. It gives it that authenticity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes it legit. I was like, oh, this isn't someone trying to do a Nile Rodgers sounding guitar. Yeah. It's Nile Rodgers. It's Nile Rodgers. And then that disco break. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, now it sounds like Miami Sound Machine. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. That bass Oh, line. that's a pure disco bass. Yep. Yep. Love the disco bass. And even the dancers are all discoing it up. Real good. Yeah. I'm. Uh, oh, now it's almost a little Andrea True. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think uh, as I've gotten older too, I'm like, holy fuck, I like disco a lot. Yeah, it's great. Even like we've talked about that before. Like even yeah. even rock guys who were disco sucks back then later had to be like. That was fun. Yeah, it's it? <laughs> fun. You know, because again, I was still a little young, so I knew it as like the popular music of the time. Yeah. And then it went away, and I wasn't like sad that this going away. I was like, oh, okay, well, there's now rap and new wave. That's my new next thing. Yeah. And then I hear disco now. I was like, oh, fuck yeah, that was good. Yeah. The culture around it was just so not che- kind of cheesy yeah, yeah. it's oh, like cool. it almost like you can't it's hard to judge the music on its own merits yes aside yes. just thinking about like creepy dudes yeah spread collars yep shirts and hairy chests and chains yeah getting them getting stashed co- coked out and yep. yeah yeah and just the big bright we, lights yeah you separate that shittiness from it yeah and, oh, the music is great the music is great yeah yeah if you separate the the lifestyle Right. Yeah. 
Not not the whole thing because a lot of that partying was good. good yeah, I'm, I'm sure good fun. fun. Not necessarily good clean fun. Yeah, but good fun. Yeah. This is a good coke disco song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not a not a, a grimy one. Oh, this says this is from uh, Vinyl, the show Vinyl that was on v, uh, HBO. Oh no shit! So I'll bet now Rogers was probably involved in uh, music on that show. There, I never saw vinyl, so that's that makes nobody sense did that. this. one. I only had one season. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. Oh, I consulted on that show. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, I consulted on that show. You did not. Yes, I did. My, I have a cousin who did graphic design for uh, HBO. She still does, and uh, she asked me to tell her about like. 70s punk to help and inspire her graphic design. Why are you just... And I didn't... And uh, I did that for her. And then she didn't... Okay. She didn't tell me why she was asking me to oh. introduce... She's like, tell me like what punk albums. Like, show me some different cover mm-hmm. designs and stuff. And then afterwards, I found out it's because she was working on vinyl. And I was like, you should pay me. <laughs> yeah. So what she did was design our podcast logo free. That's what she... Yeah, that's where our, our logo came from. I'm freaking out because do you see how all this came about? Yeah. <laughs> because of Niall Rogers. Yes, that's true. You I can... wouldn't have not known this story had I not played I know, this song. I know how much you love when things come full circle. God, I love shit so much like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah, podcast yeah. is the best. <laughs> it is a good podcast, <laughs> but this episode is over. Uh, so that's all for this music ray gun but if you want to subscribe to our show if somehow you found this episode and don't subscribe please do it's available on most major podcast platforms we'd love for you to email us your comments and questions our address is musicraygun at gmail.com and if you know someone who might like music ray gun please tell them about it because word of mouth is the best way to share the show I'm Paul Champanelli I'm Kirk Pinchon until next time see ya, see ya.